Welcome to Heart Talk. I'm your host, writer, educator, and creator, Tracy Michelle. The great black American writer James Baldwin once said, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. The other day, as I was attempting to be still and pray, as I was trying to meditate, my feet felt like they were on fire. I mean, literally on fire. Heat filled my feet. And then went up my leg. And because I've been walking out this healing journey for a minute, I knew in that moment that I needed to figure out what was going on, not just in my body, but in my mind and spirit also, because they are truly all connected. As I sat and took a breath on my exhale, I didn't just let out air. I let out sobs. I wailed. There it was. I was, am, angry. I was, am, hurt. As an empath, I not only held my own pain and trauma, I was holding the pain of an entire people, my own people, people who have been trying to simply breathe for centuries People who have done everything from isolation to integration to assimilation to try to heal. And who at every turn is faced with constant and pervasive injury to our bodies, our minds and our souls. My mind and heart rages when I think of Breonna Taylor in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky and George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia, and David McAtee, also in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, and, 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 and. I spent several years doing racial reconciliation work uh, as a speaker, as a writer, trying to bridge the gap between black folks and white folks in order to help white folks see how dehumanization and racism shows up in our daily lives. I would stand in front of audiences and pour my heart out, sharing why it's not a good idea to say you don't see color and how deeply embedded white supremacy is in the DNA of this country, explaining white privilege and why that needed to be owned and leveraged, how it will take a complete dismantling and uprooting of our institutions in order to see true change. I guess what I've come to realize is that changing policy is necessary and significant. I stand with every protester, every person lobbying for systemic disruption, but changing hearts is an entirely different battle. One that is way above my pay grade. See, that's the reason why we see a so-called resurgence of alt-right white supremacist organizations, an alleged resurgence of overt white violence. And I use alleged and so-called very purposefully because it's always been here. 
But we see it because in most cases, hearts and minds have never changed. They've lain dormant for years. They've hid behind subtle discriminatory practices and policies. They've hid behind notions of tolerance. And so there was never, never has been really any intention of seeing someone like me, someone who looks like me as equal, as fully human, as Imago Dei made in the image of God. And so my focus has shifted. Like Audre Lorde is famously quoted as saying, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. My work is about healing now. How do we use the gift of art and story to heal our minds, hearts, and bodies of trauma of all kinds? But in particular, though, for black folk, the trauma of racism There are numerous studies that show that racism and racial microaggressions cause PTSD in black and brown people. PTSD integrates itself into our brain and impacts how our bodies function. We relive a thing, an event over and over and over again, which affects our physical health and how our minds work, our mental health. Joy DeGruy's work on post-traumatic slave syndrome also powerfully lays out the impacts of generations of captivity on the collective. There are generations after generations worth of pain that we need extricated from our bodies and minds. And that to me feels like fruitful work at this time because we are hurting. I am hurting. And I honestly don't know if those in power give a damn. In fact, I'm fairly certain that they don't. So it's up to us to find and use all the tools God has given us, all the tools available to us to heal ourselves. The rage we feel is a righteous one for sure. The question is what we do with it. I felt my rage in my feet the other day. And it sounds weird to admit that, to say that to you. But afterward, I went to my garden. I put my hands in the soil. I transplanted my avocado seed that I'd finally, after forever, gotten to root and grow I mean I've been trying to grow an avocado tree for forever and I finally got a breakthrough doing this alleviated some of that rage I felt it helped me to see that breakthroughs still happen for creation even if it takes forever I'm so happy about this episode of Heart Talk because I got a chance to talk to someone I've been following for a great deal of time As a black woman who's passionate about urban homesteading, agriculture, travel, and education, everything that Natasha Nichols does is an act of defying expectations. She's the founder of We Sow, We Grow, a community gardening initiative based in Chicago. She has dedicated her life and career to adding a much-needed voice to conversations about a, a bunch of issues. On her blog, House Full of Nichols, she documents her family's domestic and international travel adventures while addressing topics related to education, agriculture, and homesteading. What I love the most is that at the core of what Natasha does is this. She educates and empowers the masses on how to eat, live, and be well. Natasha and I taped our interview prior to the uprisings we are seeing right now around the country, but I think it's worthwhile to hear how the ground, the soil, the land can be a safe place to lay down our grief and help us heal. I always say that the soil willingly and graciously holds my tears. And that's never been more true than today. So let's dig into the conversation.
Hey, Natasha. Hey. How are you? I I am I'm here. <laughs> I, I hear you. I understand that. Well, you know what? The first question that we always ask our guests here at Heart Talk is, how's your heart? So in light of COVID-19 and all that's going on right now, how's your heart today? Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's actually hard. I, I keep going from uh, grateful to immensely sad, mm-hmm. back to grateful. So, you know, yeah, just a, just a regular day around these parts. And I, I think that's probably indicative of where a lot of people are. You're kind of fluctuating. Like I, for me, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that I have the privilege to have a home, to not, to be able to work from home, to all of the things, you know, at the same time, my heart is, is breaking for people who don't, or for people who are essential workers and have to go out or people who, you know, are struggling with their health. Like, so I'm going, I'm just that fluctuation going back and forth, back and forth. Um, so I get it. I totally get it. So let's just talk a little bit about gardening, my favorite topic. All right, <laughs> let's get into it. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into gardening, how you became a urban homesteader, where do we sow, we grow, come from, you know, talk a little bit about your beginnings in this. That is a very, very interesting um, story, I guess. So uh, by trade, I am a blogger and a blogger that actually works for, <laughs> works for the, the money that, that I get. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a stint in 2013 with Illinois Farm Bureau. Um, where we could learn more about what farmers in Illinois were doing, uh, because that's when a lot of the uh, narrative around GMOs and organic and, you know, CAFOs and all of that other stuff uh, kind of broke through the dam. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was asked to be on, um, uh, or I I was asked to be with a group of mothers uh, from the city of Chicago um, to work with them for that. Now, uh, my parents have roots in Mississippi, Mm. and uh, we spent plenty of summers in Memphis, Tennessee, where we would actually go down to Batesville, Mississippi, and visit aunts and uncles, and they all lived on farms, working farms, and um, I I think that it's just, you know, between that and it being in my blood, uh, I just knew that I had to grow something, and then I, I had the nerve to marry someone who would plant seeds of, hey, we, we, we could raise some chickens, you know, <laughs> I love it. Um, um, and, you know, it just grew from that. So it, it came from uh, summers with my granny Blackburn okay. um, and picking okra from her kitchen garden and green beans and snapping them at the kitchen table with her. And also um, that entire year in 2013, working with the Illinois Farm Bureau. Mm, yes. Yes. So, how, so you're on in Chicago, right? Yes. Okay. So some people would say, okay, so you grow in chickens in Chicago. Like, wh- what is that? Like, so what is your take on this idea of urban homesteading, or, you know, teaching, uh, growing food in an urban setting? Like, many people that I've talked to don't think that's possible. I'm looking out my window now at my garden, and people would not believe like I practically got a farm out back in this little you know, in the Philadelphia area, this little box that I have. So I'm just wondering, like, you know, what do you say to people who say, well, can I really do that? 
you know, like what, like. I, I, I say yes, obviously, um, <laughs> be, because we, you and I are, are perfect examples of it. It's interesting to me that urban, urban farming and urban homesteading are, are as well kept of a secret um, as it is. And it seems to be like an underground movement. So only if you're in, you know, the, the group that you know, then you know about all of the, the farms and everything uh, right. within your city or the next state even. Um, but I'm nosy. So once, once that seed was planted, I started doing a lot of research and ended up finding a lot of um, programs and nonprofits and, you know, things of that sort in Chicago to partner with, which led to me becoming, you know, a certified master, master urban farmer and a master gardener. Uh, and then also um, led to the start of my nonprofit, We Sell, We Grow, which is an educational program which teaches folks how to grow food in their own backyards and let, let them know that they could. Um, and it's a long way away from me realizing in 2013 that I could grow corn in Chicago. <laughs> uh, when, when somebody said, I think we were on a trip, and I just could not believe that somebody was growing sweet corn um, you know, 30 miles west of Chicago. And I'm like, wait, what? And, you know, thinking and not seeing that correlation between the field corn, you know, on the, on the roads and corn, sweet corn that we eat for, you know, backyard barbecues and everything, just to know that in, in seven years I've grown as, as a, uh, um, student of agriculture and realizing that I still have a whole lot more to learn. Mm. So yeah, it's a, it's a well-kept secret. And I, I do love that right now, a lot of people are realizing that they can do it um, because times call for it at the moment. But it also kind of makes me sad because I know well when we're allowed to kind of move about the world a little bit freely, more mm -hmm. freely, I know that a lot of people are gonna drop it because they see it as too much work. Right. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that doesn't happen because it is work, but we want them to stay on. Yeah. It's not, I, you know what, in my mind, it's, it's work, but it's also to me an art. And that's the reason why I wanted you to come on the show because at, at Heart Talk, you know, we talk about like the power of art and story to heal and it's kind of, you know, cathartic. Right. And I, mm -hmm. I don't, that, that notion of art is very expansive to me. And a lot of people would not think of gardening or farming as a kind of, um, art, but I know I entered into it needing healing, you know, looking for a, a place to feel grounded, looking for uh, a quiet space and, and, and watching the life cycles of, you know, through, you know, planting a seed and watching it grow. And so I think if people could enter it that way, they see how, um, how it's more than just, um, oh, that's too much work. I don't want to grow some corn or whatever, whatever they might be thinking. I'd love to know, like, in what ways do you think that gardening facilitates healing? Like, where have you seen in your own self how gardening has helped you unpack grief or trauma or just allowed you to kind of move through a day um, when otherwise you might have felt inclined to stay in bed? <laughs> oh, I think that probably... Um... That's a loaded question. Uh, I've lost, to date, I've lost two siblings. Um, uh, the first so sibling sorry. I lost was my 18-year-old sister in February of 2002. And um, 
obviously I was not farming at all then. Uh, and I wish that I would have had an outlet like breaking up soil uh, and drilling, drilling wood together and uh, being out in, in wide open spaces at that time because um, there's just, it is something about being outside uh, and, and getting your hands in. I know people have an issue with, you know, saying dirt or soil, but getting your hands in the dirt um, and just working it to the point where you bring or you help to bring life, you know, from it. Um, and then last year in June, I lost my baby brother and uh, we were just getting started with the farm and he was helping me with my nonprofit. Um, and uh, <clears throat> um, Memorial Day weekend, we had just started planting and uh, we had all of the grandchildren um, in, in the city of Chicago and they all helped, you know, plant corn and Radish, and it's clear as day. I, I remember that day clearly because it was just so full of love and happiness. And then that very next day, he was in a car accident mm. and um, um, in critical condition. And, you know, we, we sat for two weeks while he was in a coma. And then he woke up and then he was up for two weeks. And then he passed away from, from complications from the, the car accident. And I will tell you, every single year that we've had the farm, I've cried. And whether it's from frustration, whether it's from happiness, last year I cried on the farm more than I've ever cried before. Uh, and you know, um, it's open, and we we're right on the <laughs> we're right on the thoroughfare, so people can see me outside when I'm out there. And I didn't care about people seeing me be in my in my place. Um, uh, uh, of growing and, and life um, and just sobbing it out. And, you know, um, my brother Daniel was his name, um, would often come through and he was one of my biggest cheerleaders when I first started uh, my garden in the back. He came through and almost took me out of mustard and turnip grains. Mm. Like, pick a big old if y'all know, you know, we, we will pick and put them in garbage bags. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, and then take them on, take them on with us. And he hyped me up so much uh, from my first year of growing. And he was, a, he was a very silent cheerleader, but a cheerleader nonetheless. Uh, we did fundraising. He was, you know, sharing the fundraisers and everything. And even while in the hospital, he asked me, what are you doing? What are you doing for your farm? Um, which was to say, you can't sit here and just let your life stop because, you know, it's, it's still going to go on no matter what happens. And this was before we knew anything was changing. Um, so you can come visit me, but I expect you to still do some work on that, mm -hmm. on that farm when you go back home. And, and the, the week after he passed away, I think we did a lot of work and a lot of harvesting and, you know, um, clearing out weeds and because I, I had neglected it while he was in the hospital. Uh, but I will say with sibling loss, you know, um, and no loss is greater than, than one or the other. Um, and, you know, you'll have some people who will try to tell you that they know how you're feeling um, because they've lost a, a parent or a grandparent or, you know, a child. None of those losses equate. And, and my last living sibling, 
he and I grieve differently. So I don't know how he feels and he doesn't know. We just know that loss, we lost a part of our heart, right? Um, and, and for me, I tend to consume all of that person that I can after they've, they've left um, the earth. Now, we were very close beforehand, but I, I just try to consume everything. And then I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody trying to console me because they tend to say, even in their, in their, uh, in the ways of them trying to help, um, they always end up saying kind of the wrong thing. And, and it just never, it never helps. And uh, I noticed too, it was a learning curve for my husband because we were in college when my sister passed away. We were uh, seniors in college when, when she passed away. And he absolutely did not know, you know, how to handle that. And, and this time with my brother passing, he was at the hospital with me when, when my brother died. And he even told me, he says, there was something in me that broke when I heard you, you know, sobbing in the hospital. And at that moment, I realized that there was absolutely nothing that I could do as your spouse to take that hurt away. And um, that's a that's a very um, vulnerable place to be, you know, as as your protector. And to see you have to work this out, and I'm gonna start crying. To see you have to work this out without me being able to fix anything um, is is hard. But seeing you go to the farm and he he often lets me know, and and I need to put emphasis on often um, how stubborn I am. Yeah. And to see you go and and turn a plot of land that the city completely just didn't care about into what it is now is nothing short of amazing. So, you know, I, I, I married a pretty decent human being. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and and it, it helps to have someone who understands that they won't always be able to fix things, you know, mm. for me. And, and that they kind of need to let, you know, things go. Um, but there, there were points in time where I wouldn't go out and he's like, yeah, no, we, we've come too far. So whatever you need to do, you know, uh, we're going out to the farm and I'll be out there and I expect you to be out there, you know, after, um, after, after you, you get dressed and everything. And to, to have that support at a time where I really, really needed it, uh, after, you know, it's, it's rough having one sibling go, but two, and neither one of them made it to 35, you know, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm the oldest child, so I told, uh, at my, at my brother's funeral, I stated, yeah, they were always going out of turn, you know, they always did stuff before they were supposed to, and this, this was no different, and, you know, I'm very, I'm very, very upset with them, uh, but, you know, it is what it is, and, we, we take it day by day and I allow myself the room to be angry if I need to, um, to laugh when, when something is funny, because I think a lot of people think when you're grieving, if they do see you on or see me on the farm and I'm having a good time and we're dancing to music or doing whatever. Oh, I, I think she, I thought she just lost her brother. I did, but right. you know, like he told us, and I, I think he knew he was going to pass away, but he told us we gotta, we gotta live life. And you know, it's hard being the oldest child taking uh, uh, 
words from the baby of the family, you know, and, and he was, he was telling the truth and his wife and um, his children uh, and I um, are, are in a different dynamic now. And it's very hard because um, they were expecting a baby in November of last year. So he never got a chance to meet his last baby Mm -hmm. and being able to, uh, she loves when we when we video chat and she sees the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and she sees the chickens, everything just stops. Mm-hmm. So you know we're 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 hoping to connect through urban homesteading that way, and and you know for them to know that their their dad really supported the the movement and you know talked about his big sister in a way um, that I did not know until people told me you know at his funeral. So that's. It's it's helping it's helping that way and it's a I guess that was a long a long way of saying that farming is helping me grieve um, in a way that I didn't expect it to. Who thinks you know of, of farming as a grief uh, uh, resource? Not and, at all. And going out and out and and picking stuff around. Um, it's been amazing. Yeah, there's so much. You know, um, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for your loss, but I um, there there's the image of you, you know, sobbing on the farm, not caring whether or not people are driving by and can see you, um, and then that image living alongside your husband having this moment saying, you know, I can't fix this, right? I you know, and what I hear is. Um, and this is my experience. I lost a, a family member due to racial violence a couple of years ago, um, uh, an attempted mass shooting. And it just kind of just took me out of here. Like I, I just, you know, somebody goes to the grocery one day and doesn't come home. Like I just, it doesn't, it didn't compute for me. And so yeah. what I found was the exact same thing that you mentioned that when I was in the garden, um, the ground could hold my tears. Mm-hmm. And I, and I not, you know I'm a writer so maybe that sounds super metaphorical not at all. <laughs> but not at all. and and it wasn't a matter of oh I'm going to go plant something and it's going to be all fixed right like kind of what your husband's saying it was like no I just needed a space that could hold whatever came out whether it's like you said laughter or sobbing or anger and I want to hit something or whatever was whatever emotion came out I needed a space that could hold it without trying to fix it but in the process of it holding it it's helping me heal right like it's it's helping me move you know forward and so i i can really appreciate how you frame that um and you're right i i i think grief is particular to the individual right Mm -hmm. like it's not oh well i lost my my grandmother and so i understand what you went through when you lost your brother absolutely not because it's particular to your makeup as a human being and how you, you know, been given to be able to process um, emotion. Um, I, I wanna just, I, I don't wanna leave that, but I wanna kind of add a piece to it. Um, I know you do a lot of education. You know, you're, you have an educational component to We So We Grow. Um, do, have you observed or have you been able to help other people come in with, grief or trauma or heaviness or whatever it is and help other people to be able to see how the ground, how, you know, growing life, the life cycles, all of that can help them? The only, 
The only thing that I, I I can I can say to that is from folks who use our hashtag. I know that sounds so weird, but we've had a couple people use uh, the hashtag and then kind of give a testimony about how they were dealing with depression mm-hmm. um, and how uh, plant life and and growing um, food in their backyards helped with that. Mm-hmm. It it pushed them to get out into the sun because there was something about seeing the initial germination and that plant poke up from the from the soil that that helped them. And it, it makes it sound very, you know, um, elementary in a way, but there really is something mm-hmm. about that because you, you think about all of the work that's going on underneath the surface, right? Right. And then everything that's going on, you know, at the surface with uh, the sunlight and the water and making sure that you have something to focus on. And and for us, that's that's a lot of what what pulled me out of bed. There was something that I had to do every mm-hmm. single day. It didn't, and this may sound horrible, it had nothing to do with my husband. It had nothing to do with my job. It had nothing to do with my children. You know, right. and and while I know that obviously all of all of those things are very important, um, they they pull on me in a different way than you know the the plants and and you know all all of what I needed to do on the farm did and you know it's it's amazing to see and and this is not anywhere where I'm saying gardening is depression at all uh but for some folks it is something it's a bomb and and sometimes you need a bomb sometimes you need to be able to just get away and not have to worry about the way you look mm-hmm. the way you sound you know um, um, what you're presenting. It's just you. It's it's the earth, and it's whatever you're planting, whatever seed you're planting. And you know, uh, maybe it'll grow. Maybe it won't. Maybe maybe you're planting something. Like I thought that I was planting Swiss chard one year, and beets came, and because you know the seeds look <laughs> the seeds look the same. Okay. okay. Uh, and and I'm guessing I'm guessing they got mixed up um, whenever we had a seed spill, and somebody tried to put them back in the pack. And I remember being super frustrated, like, this does not look like chard. Uh, what the heck is going on? And beets, beets came up and, you know, um, sometimes you get those happy surprises too. You know, when, when birds where we fight with and the, the rabbits and the uh, raccoons and all of that other stuff come eat whatever food they're going to eat and then do whatever they're going to do like the squirrels taking one bite out of a a tomato and then leaving it for you to find, uh, we found volunteer plants. And it's just Mm. those, those types of things were what I ended up looking forward to and what the people in the group ended up looking forward to who were struggling a lot um, with their depression. And they don't publicly announce it at all. Sometimes it's an inbox message or them sharing on their own platforms. Uh, But yeah, we do, we do have where, where folks are just like, we need, we need something to bring us back to center. And this is what, this is what does it for us. Mm. I love that. I, I'm very interested. I've been interested uh, lately in like um, somatic experiences, like how the body connects to the mind. And I just find for me that the, like you said, the act of getting up, going outside, putting my hands in the ground or, you know, watering, like the, the physical act of, 
and I can't even, I don't even know what the words are for it, but like does something to my brain, right? Like it does something, it's a calming, there's a grounding, there's a calming effect that happens. Um, And so I can see how someone who's struggling, I mean, myself with diagnosed anxiety or, you know, PTSD or any of these other things that just the, the, the act of getting up and looking forward to, as you said, because them squirrels are disrespectful. <laughs> Aren't they? <laughs> they are so, so disrespectful. disrespectful. I had a squirrel, like I, we have an open door, right? The squirrel was on my porch with one of my tomatoes, looking at me, eating yep. the squirrel. Look at me yep. dead in my face. Oh, so you gonna look me yep. in my eyeball and yep. say, and say yep. yeah, I'm eating your tomato, now what? And so, but even in that, like even in, the recognition that the life around me is like, you know, somehow feeding off of or thriving and, and, and it's part of it, like part of, part of my routine or my, my thing that I do is to go off and put my little cayenne pepper. I don't know if I should say that, but <laughs> put my little <laughs> and for the squirrels or, you know, go out and try to put my little chicken wire in to try right. to keep them out or whatever. Um, so just the act of that is, you know, I think part of the process or part of the healing process. Um, so if somebody wants to start a garden or, you know, buy a plot of land in the city and, and, and start farming, uh, what do, what would you say they would have to consider? Like we, you know, we could talk about the mental, emotional, you know, healing portions of that but like it is work <laughs> it's a lot of work so and what yeah city of chicago you have to be prepared to wait a mm. very very long time um for for a while what what we did was uh um, farm on a plot of land that the city was taking care of but wasn't slated to have development on it mm. And then we just found out a couple of years ago that they are planning on developing on it. So we we are making plans to move, which means that we're working with the land acquisition nonprofit firm um, who's helping us to acquire the land that we will be moving to next nice. so that nobody can develop on it at all. Yeah. Um, if you are in the city of Chicago, there are plenty of places to, to garden on, uh, but you also have to be prepared that at some point in time, a developer will say, you know what, this is prime real estate. We want it. And as, as with all things, money talks. And most of us who are doing the urban homesteading don't have the hundreds of thousands of dollars that, that, are, um, that make it necessary in order to acquire land in that, in that way. So um, for us, we had to become a nonprofit and, and work around. And like I said, we've been doing this we saw we grow started in 2016. We just got the go ahead, you know, the blessing from our aldermen last October to work through this. And now we have to wait for the city to decide whether or not we can actually stay on that land. So wow. it's a it's a long process. Until then, you know, um, if you have a backyard or a back porch, which most Chicagoans do, mm-hmm. uh, they have a back porch, not a backyard. <laughs> Right, Most right. Chicagoans have a back porch, not a backyard. Um, you might have to make do with that and think outside the box. You might have to think container, vertical gardening, um, hydro, you know, ponics, uh, um, or gardening in your front, the front area of, of your home. 
uh, or joining a community garden and, and paying for a raised bed. And then, you know, not only will you help support uh, homesteading and, and urban ag, but you also get to know a bunch of other people who love growing their own food just like you do. Yeah. And I think in the age uh, of COVID-19, where people are thinking about, you know, runs on grocery stores or whether or not they even want to go to the grocery or, um, you know, how can I, you know, grow my own food, you know, so that I don't have to be dependent on manufacturers or, or whatever. Right. Um, I think what you're suggesting, I know here in the Philly area, it's the same thing. Most people don't have that much of a backyard, but they do have mm -hmm. a back porch or they have a back deck or they have a front porch, right? So there's a lot of things in terms of um, uh, container. I mean, I was amazed. I've been gardening for 10 years, but of the last two or three years, I really like deep dive into this. And I, when I learned just how many people were actually black folk, because I was told yeah. that we, we stopped gar gardening in slavery. That's what I was told. Which is a big, <laughs> like you found out that's a huge lie, right? Huge lie. It's, I'm telling you, it's an underground movement. Like, yo, you've been, you've been doing all of this in your back and you didn't tell nobody? Exactly, what? exactly. And so, and I, you know, I'm from Kentucky, right? So okay. like you, you would think, you know, but I, I wasn't part, like my grandmother and my grandma, that was something that they did back in the day, right? But then when right. I do this deep dive, it's like you said, I've discovered that there are, um, there's a Facebook group I'm a part of, thousands, thousands of, from everything from containers to, you know, hydroponics with little fish swimming around yep. To, yep. to everything. And people are growing their food. And I just want to encourage people to um, do the research, right? Um, get you a couple of seeds and, and at least attempt to do that. If, if not for the healing, you know, emotional, psychological benefits, um, there's obviously the physical, actual tangible benefit of growing your own food and the satisfaction of that. I think there's like a satisfaction of, oh, I grew some greens. I'm going to cook these greens. I'm going to go out here. It is, it is, <laughs> it's a definite joy booster, right? When you, yes. when you realize that you can go outside and pick yourself a little side salad. Mm -hmm. um, um, I, I realize that I have slightly bougie children um, <laughs> who, who will go and get a tomato to slice and pick some of my basil and then go into the refrigerator and get some mozzarella cheese and slice yes, that up yes. so that they can have their little plate. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, well, I just, we felt like having balsamic vinegar and everything. It's just, it's so, it's so interesting to me yeah. uh, to see, to see that. And then um, my youngest daughter, who, when we started the garden, she was only five. She became like my mini farmer. So she mm. was able, she's now able to identify plants by their leaf shape yeah. uh, and she's getting interested in learning the varieties that we're growing uh, and then my oldest daughter is the chicken whisperer you know mm -hmm. she she loves hanging out with the chickens um, my baby boy I don't know why the hens love him so much but he was the first person that was able to uh, pick all the hens up before before anyone else they would um, if you don't keep chickens what will happen is if a chicken is is used to you and you walk you walk over them they'll squat. And um, only hens do this. Roosters do not because roosters are some cocky little things. <laughs> um, but they, the hens will squat because uh, they're preparing typically for a rooster to mount them. But when they're around humans, if they squat, they're okay with you picking them up. And every single hen, they squatted for that little <laughs> baby boy first before they did it for me. And I'm the one that was feeding them. 
And, you know, uh, my oldest son, um, like I said, he's a sophomore in, in college. And uh, we're at that age where he, he thinks he knows more than my husband and I. Um, secretly, I think he appreciates having the farm around too, because he knows that at, at some point, if the bottom fell out, we still have the ability to grow at least something <laughs> something to eat. and he appreciates that that aspect of it so you know it's it's weird to see farming be cool mm -hmm. uh to all the new people when it's been cool to to us and and that's not throwing shade at all i just love seeing that you know now something that that was seen as um first of all, something that old white men did mm. all the time, um, is now being understood that women do it, black folks do it, Hispanics do it, Asians, you know, um, all, all, all around the world uh, farm. And uh, there was a moment um, where I traveled to Malawi and we, we stayed in a village and the villagers owned all of this land and they were growing cotton. It took me a moment. It took me a moment mm. because we walked into the field of cotton and they were like, hey, you want to pick some? And I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. Uh, but when the explanation came around that the villagers owned this and no one else did, it was it was there. It was what they were growing. Um, I had no problem going through and picking it. And I also understood um, at that moment the backbreaking work that our ancestors did in the United States, you know, uh, during the enslavement period, because listen, picking cotton is no joke. Yes. Um, and, and that's not even, it's no joke when you want to do it. So, you know, when you don't want to do it and people are, are over you telling you that you have to, otherwise you're going to get beaten. Um, it's no joke and it hurts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they got little barbs in it and everything. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, being, being connected to it in that way um, and, and knowing that everybody does it, there's something special about that. And, and knowing that not one person owns it and not one person can own it um, and not one person can lay claim to saying that, you know, they are the originators of farming at all. No, um, we, all, we all had to come from a point where all of our, our ancestors had to grow. Uh, some of us just grew stuff a little bit tastier and figured out how to how to make I, how to make greens how to make greens taste real real good and get the pot liquor at the bottom, you know. <laughs> I had to get them seasonings, how to grow them herbs. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, That's right. But for for medicinal purposes and for a little in Chicago, yeah, Chicago is now and people asked me if I was going to start growing and the the politics around that. Um, I've never ever consumed but mm -hmm. i don't hate anybody uh who who figured out a way to make it work for them but having to grow inside of a five thousand square foot you know space yeah that just wasn't it wasn't for me at all um but we can grow hemp and i can yeah. use the hemp in order you know to sell to people who make clothes or hemp hemp products so we may be we may be thinking about that later on down the line yeah, I mean, if you think about the industry of that, like the the money to be made in that, just from a right. business standpoint, you know, right. it, it almost could fund the other things that you're doing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, sis, thank you so much 
for talking with me and sharing with the Heart Talk family um, just a little bit about you know gardening and how how it serves us right like across the board thank you so much for just you know being open and sharing your story um i'm so, so i've thanks been for having me and letting me cry on your podcast <laughs> I, I was crying i was crying right with you <laughs> so we that's we we ain't afraid of tears over at heart talk i'm gonna tell you that uh but you know what Not at all. i i have been following you i've i watch your stories i watch like i've been following you and and if you Every time I grow a little something, I try to put the little tag on there. <laughs> I was like, shoot, we grow it in Philly too. <laughs> we love we love it and we come through. Um, there's some, I don't know, there's something about seeing that hashtag pop up and then a new person, you know, use it. Um, I'm I'm having a bit of jealousy though at our 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 gardeners in the southern states who are already harvesting stuff. How about I'm that? Not, I'm not gonna say that I'm hating, but I'm hating, um, I'm hating. a lot. <laughs> a lot because people some folks in the in the group have tomatoes already and i won't i'm in 7a now i'm just one of last night it was 33 last night and I, and I got a little greenhouse in the back and i'm so mad because i'm like i can't even my, my seedlings are gonna fruit in the house because i can't get them outside because it's 33 degrees at night still in the middle of april in the 7a Gardening problems that's 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 some gardening <laughs> farming problems but then you have you have those of us who you like you know what forget it we just gonna start planting stuff we just gonna plant stuff whatever grows, what grows because right. we need to we need to get outside i hear you i I, th I think that's what i'm gonna be doing this weekend is just say oh well whatever happens happens let's get out there i might go out there with you in solidarity and we can just see we can see if anything pops yeah. up <laughs> come july Hopefully we have a little something. So <laughs> I know that's uh, struggle hey, tomatoes. I know, right? Thank you so much, sis. I, I appreciate you for showing the show. Tell folks how they can reach out to you, how they can come see what you're doing, uh, your information, your tags, all that good stuff. Sure. You can follow us on all social media at We Sow, We Grow, and so is S O W, even though I do S E W uh, sometimes. Um, you can use that hashtag, we sow, we grow. We will find you and hang out with you via Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And we have our educational group, Facebook group, We Sow, We Grow Gardening Chat. And that can be found at facebook.com forward slash We Sow, We Grow Chat. And we have a large amount of knowledgeable gardeners who have been doing it, whether by hobby or by trade, for years. So, Nothing is too stupid, nothing's too crazy, and we all gonna share your 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 first bud uh, uh, of a of a fruit that you plant uh, post in the group, whether whether or not it's your first time or your fiftieth time doing it. So come join us, we love it. Heart Talk is written and produced by my mommy, Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggins, for Heart Space and New Season Books and Media. Go to hearttalkpodcast.com to learn more. See you next time.